Welcome to the first of many episodes of the Awoken Bloke podcast. I'm Raham, and this is Michael Ray. And, Hi, Raham. Hey, Michael. And I'm so excited to do this podcast with you because this is an ingenious opportunity for both of us, one in the UK and you in Australia, to enrich the lives of many men, many boys, um, and many girls, as in the children of these men, and the women that support them, to create a paradigm shift in which we can honor the equality and the equity of men and women together, and invite men to recognize that until you belong to yourself, you belong to no one. Sounds great. So we've got a American living in Scotland, yes. and we've got an Aussie bloke in, in Australia speaking over the interweb. Aren't times amazing with COVID? Absolutely. I couldn't have wished for a better opportunity. Had it not been COVID, we might have never met. Exactly, Ram. I've, I've spoken to people all around the world since COVID have started, and there are just so many reoccurring themes that keep happening for men regardless. And um, men are struggling. We... We, the mental health, the extra load of COVID has and brought on so much shift in the demands on fathers. But if there is one reoccurring silver lining is suddenly father's extra connection with their children, with the time on and the more family life, whether it be just through the commute being gone or whether the full work from home the vast majority of dads that I'm speaking to are actually loving the increased father time. And a few surveys show that upwards of 70% of them don't want to go back to a pre-COVID style lifestyle. How exciting that is because that means that men are creating opportunities for themselves, taking up those opportunities to be more active in their family life, which is something that I've noticed reoccurring um, throughout the beginning of COVID when men were experiencing um, that sense of connection, that sense of belonging, that sense of, of intimate quality time with their children and with their partners and their family members, that when COVID was beginning to lift a little bit in the summer, men were really considering, I don't want to go back to full-time work or I don't wanna go back to the same type of work that I was doing because it didn't give me the quality time that I had with my family. I can actually sit down for dinner. I can prepare my kids breakfast. I can actually have a chat when my child is struggling or my partner needs support. And that invaluable opportunity of being and belonging to a family to create that network and that union of, of, of you know, intimacy in a family is so essential to the health of that family as well as the health, the mental, emotional, and physical and 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 even spiritual for some health of men. And that's one step closer to a healthy society. Yeah, definitely. Thoughts? And we seem to forget uh, as Simon Sinek says, people's why. So our careers as fathers are important to us because it allows us to provide for our family. So 
being a provider doesn't just mean in a monetary sense. It means we provide values, we provide role models, we provide security and protection. And all of a sudden we've realized, gee, our why is right here in front of us. So while our career actually takes us away from our family a lot of the times, the sacrifice that we make for that time away is reaffirmed in our ability to be a provider. So it sort of fills the need. But now that we've got all this extra time at home, the, the surest way to get somebody to contribute and want to contribute is to make it known that their contribution matters. So when they see their children happy that dad's involved, um, I, I still remember when I was a kid, the thing that lit up the kids is when dad got involved. You know, if you were playing cricket in the backyard or something like that, if the dads came out, all of a sudden it was yay. Or, you know, when dad got into the pool with you, it was just, just so much better. And it's not that dad was better at mum that, but it was just dad's time with us was limited. So it, it was more scarce. And I often say to dads, there's often an inverse correlation between quantity and quality of time. So you've got to be well aware that while our quantity of time may be beyond our control in a lot of instances, the quality never is. You can always control the quality of the time. So, you know, put your phone down, be present, you know, listen to your kids. Don't, don't talk to them, but listen, ask them questions because the quality and let them ask questions of you as well. I always say my parenting at best is questionable. So I want Charlie to question and I wanted a challenge and I wanted to know because I think we've become a little bit distracted in, in focusing on our children on what they should do and even how they should do. I'd rather have them know why. So the values behind it, because you know, some of the technical stuff and some of the talents that I might be teaching an hour might even be applicable in the future but without curiosity and enthusiasm and compassion and all of the big ticket items, she won't be able to learn anything. So let people way smarter than me, let universities and schools teach her the, the technical stuff. It's up to me as her dad to instill the attitudes that will enable the learning. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I know we've spoken about this several times prior to this podcast and in creating this podcast and what we wanted to share with our audience and our listeners. One of the things that I also want to piggyback on, as you were saying, um, is the, the concept of creating a training ground in the home. So a training ground for the world, for life that they're going to experience. So when um, I know, Michael, you and I were just talking about this a, a bit ago, when we see a child that's having a meltdown in a grocery store, it's a meltdown because they're triggered emotionally about something. And that's how they're expressing it at the time. It's not a reflection of our parenting. It's not an extension of the parent. It's not the competence of the parent. It's a child who's having an emotional overload and they're needing a minute. And when we view a child in such an empathic and, and compassionate way, we're able to recognize that that child is learning the skills that they need to be able to survive and thrive in the world. And when we create that space in the home, without it being about shame and guilt and resentment and, and you know, contentment and 
you know, criticism and all of the negativity that comes with sometimes parenting um, that we may have been exposed to or have seen others use or has been used on us in our own upbringing, it's so essential that the training ground in our own homes becomes that safe place for children to be able to question why, as you're saying, why do I have to do my homework? Because when they understand the why, the what and the how comes and it becomes unquestionable almost because when they have the vision, they have the, the purpose behind why they need to do or why we're wanting them to do something in their lives as simple as homework, for example, then it becomes a shared opportunity of quality time like you were talking about. It's about critical thinking. It's about active listening. It's about engaging. It's about negotiation. It's about enlisting your child and inviting your child to be able to be a leader in their life, not a follower. So when we yeah, want yeah. those those kids that we have raised to be obedient and subservient, as you said beautifully earlier um, before this podcast, that leads them to be subservient and obedient in life, but not authentic and genuine in their own right. And so this is a call out, this is a shout out to the boys and to the men and to the women that support them um, to really focus on creating that training ground in the home, to value the quality time between the partners, to value the quality time between the family members and to really invest in each other. Because when we invest in each other and we create that space of training, uh, that space of experimentation, that space of safety and security in the home, we're raising really solid boys and men and, and girls as well. Um, and creating that connectivity, that glue that, that keeps the family connected and together. A family that's together, fights together, lives together, loves together, laughs together. So that's what we're aiming for, hopefully, as well. And being that this is a special and really unique month, it's November, and it's Men's Mental Health, Emotional Health, uh, Physical Health Awareness Month. And it was just International uh, Men's Day um, earlier this past week. This is so uniquely um, impactful for me, I know, personally, and for, new, for you as well, Michael. Definitely. Um... Men are, men are struggling, Raham. We see it in the, the suicide statistics at the moment here in Australia. Seven men a day, seven men a day at taking their own lives. It's estimated that there are 64,000 64, suicide attempts each year. Now, I just can't imagine if our iconic Bondi Beach that we see all over um television if there were seven whales a day washing up on that beach the outcry like there would be teams of scientists and marine biologists and there would be such a focus on it but there are seven men that are in that much despair and that much pain with with that darkness where they feel they've got no other option taking their lives and while we say that's a male statistic every one of those men has or had a mother. Every one of those men would have had female friends. And while we might assign 
certain triggers to it, you know, whether it be a relationship breakdown or a job loss or, you know, the repossession of their house, the underlying thing is mental health. So as I said earlier, you know, they, these are blokes, many of them that have fought the battle for, for months and even years. And just on this one particular day, their resources, they were overrun by the enemy of mental health and they lost, lost the battle and it's gone forever. And it breaks my heart to think that there are men out there, many of them you could walk past on the street that are about to do it, that are too scared to put their hand up and say, you know what, I'm, I'm struggling. And as much as um, male bravery and courage is portrayed and lauded in films, you know, with firemen running into building, burning buildings and policemen taking down you know, the violent attackers and all of those outward displays of um, bravery, those very same blokes, a lot of them in the armed forces and that, that have shown such exemplary out, outward displays of courage are too scared to put their hand up and go, you know what, I'm struggling because they feel that they're going to be judged by it. And that's where the real courage comes from, boys, you know, where it's I don't care... Um, what you think of me. I don't care um, what what anyone thinks of me. I need help. And to not ask for it, it, it's just devastating to think that it's happening. Absolutely. I mean, you bring up the statistics. I know a Samaritan survey, Samaritans is a, is a uh, worldwide organization that supports the mental health and emotional health of men and boys, um, and they have a hotline. So um, you'll find that linked below um, this podcast. But a Samaritan survey found that two in five men aged 20 to 59 in the UK alone don't ask for support. They don't seek support when they need it. And that they prefer to solve their problems on their own. Also, to link that to the actual suicide rates throughout the UK, suicide rates among men are the highest they've been in two decades, they're reporting. 5,691 were recorded in 2019. This is pre-COVID, no less. 75% of them are men. The statistics are staggering. And the, the increase is oftentimes related to social isolation, which is very valid right now, given our circumstances, uh, embarrassment, which you were referring to beautifully, Michael, about guilt and shame and peer pressure and, and, and fear, and then lack of empathetic and, uh, and um, accessible support that creates a shift towards more mental decline in men. That's one of the things I was um, shocked and disappointed with some of the responses to International Men's yeah. Day on, on the 19th, it's, um, you know, the patriarch is, is evil and, you know, every day is International Men's Day because men have all of this. So to those poor men that are struggling, that sort of response, um, it's just terrible. And yet men are called on constantly to be better male allies for female equality, for men to call out other men when they're behaving badly and... Um, to speak speak out against their their mates when they show um, misogynistic or 
hateful behaviour, and all rightfully so, 100% should do it. But the the silence of those same people that are normally calling for male allies was as deafening as it was disappointing. And that's what makes men feel um, shame, too scared to put their hand up, you know. All the other guys might have it great, like you're saying, but here I am struggling to the point where I'm on the edge of taking my own life. Um, it's just terrible. And as I say, these men, a lot of them have families. A lot of their families aren't even aware because men are trapped in that. And I agree 100%, the patriarchy does not work for anyone. The, the stats for for men committing suicide, are, are proof, proof of it. You know, 97% of workplace deaths are men. 85% are homeless are men. 70-something percent of the disease burden of alcohol are men. 69% of the disease burden for drugs are men. They're all self-medicating, trying to drag themselves out of their head, out of the pain that they're feeling and distract themselves with all this thing. Gambling overwhelmingly affects men. All of these behaviours that are just anything I would rather do anything than face the pain that I'm suffering. Um, I've just recently signed up to do my mental health first aid course, just because dealing with the fathers that I deal with, yeah. so many of them are in crisis and I mainly speak to fathering, but the dads that I just thought, you know what, I need to be better equipped because these blokes are on the end. It's not about parenting hacks it's not about you know teaching johnny how to surf and getting away for the weekend some of these dads have feel completely void of any purpose or any value in their children's lives because they're getting beat up on so much and no one deserves that no one it's shame does no one any good exactly and and on the heel of uh black lives matter and the the struggle with how men are perceived um for example the police or men in positions of authority the struggle of the me too movement and how men are perceived when it comes to uh, gender dynamics and the perception of how men are seen when it comes to social isolation and what is okay and what isn't okay um, I know there's there's a lot of movement around what does a man do and what can a man do that equates okay behavior. I'm not even going to say good or bad. Okay behavior, tolerable behavior compared to what is not tolerable. So we've got the bureaucracy, we've got the patriarchal um, uh, influence, and then now we've got the lack of identity and purpose. Like men are struggling to see where they fall into the scheme of society for the first time in a very long time. So this leads to social um, unrest and internal conflict for a man. So as you were saying beautifully, Michael, if a man doesn't know his own identity as a man, what does he stand for? If he doesn't know his purpose as a man, if he doesn't know what his code of ethics or his code of conduct looks like or what it entails. If he doesn't know what his blueprint as a man is, those are things that we do through Awoken Men. You know, this is what 
creates that internal struggle struggle for a man and prevents him from being able to connect not only to himself but to his children and to anything that he's connected to um, be it work or a partner or projects the point that I'm trying to make is it directly connects to mental health it directly connects to emotional health it directly connects to physical health as well and we need to watch out for those symptoms. As you're saying, society shows us those symptoms um, in men through the language that they use in order to either degrade or elevate men. We also work, both of us with men um, and boys to, to incite them to decode that message of their body, to decode that message of their mind and their heart, to see what's not in sync. And to stand up and, and say, something's not right. Something's not fitting well in the scheme of my life. There's a cry for help within me. Obviously not in those words, but in words that you can feel comfortable to share. Because when men are in crisis, oftentimes they don't realize they're in crisis until it's too late. Mm. And it's recognizing that we're all at a crossroads, both men and women at times in our lives, but it's recognizing that those crises or those crossroads require certain tools. And that's the point of us speaking about these topics uh, that we're going to be sharing with you in the upcoming episodes to give you these opportunities to have conversations. These are conversation starters with other blokes, with your children and the women that support you to know that there are tools out there, that there are people out there, that there are opportunities out there to support you, to decode, to claim, and to own who you are genuinely, authentically in 2020 and 2021 and beyond. Yep. I, when I speak to men, that's what I say to them, I guarantee you, your deepest, darkest, fears and thoughts that you think are unique to you, we're all having them. We're all having them. And we're all putting on a mask or an external appearance where we want to belong. We, everyone has a need to belong. We want to be accepted and belong. But we're trying to belong to a group of blokes who are trying to belong to a group of blokes who are trying to belong to a group of blokes that have given away their authenticity that are just trying to fit in. So everyone's lost their thing and within that group there's somebody who thinks just like you that thinks this is silly i don't want to be at the pub getting drunk but i don't want to be thrown out of the group so i'm i'm here pretending that i like doing this and the bloke next to you he's here pretending that he likes doing this because you're there pretending you like doing this and a lot of the times it'll just take one guy to go you know what no it's it's not for me. I, I would rather be at home with my kids or I would rather be out trying to further my relationship. And so, you know, you can all laugh at me and go, oh, you know, your girlfriend's got you by the what's it's and, you know, you, you're whipped, you know, who wears the pants in your family and all, all of the rest of it. But you're better than that because one day they're not going to be there, but they're all doing it. And, the term toxic masculinity drives me mad. Masculinity isn't toxic. There's toxic behavior. 
So if your behaviour is governed by what is popular, expected or typical, rather than what's authentic, needed by your family and based on values, you don't have a problem with your masculinity. You've got a problem with your character. Spot on. So anything that a man does is masculine because even by the term toxic masculinity, you're predefining it. Oh, that's masculine. That's not. Oh, you know, really? Anything a bloke does, whether he wants to do ballet, whether he wants to play rugby, whether he wants to drink a lot of beer, whether he wants to, you know, do the gardening, whether he wants to stay at home and nurture his kids, that is masculine. The act of doing those things is masculine. Behaviour is toxic. So we don't want to demonise men. We want to demonise the behaviour. That behaviour is unacceptable, regardless of, of who's doing it, regardless of whether it's a, a man, woman or child. But it diminishes the responsibility. And that's where we get, uh, he's just a boy being a boy. You know, that's what men do. It's not. It's what people of poor character do. It's people who don't have a set of values guiding them do. So yeah, masculinity is great when you think about some of the performed masculinity, the um, acquiring assets, acquiring skills and talents. You know, men are great learners where they become um, fascinated with one one uh, topic or one technical skill. We're great at all those things. Men are great at camaraderie and things like that. So if we apply, we're very good at following rules, men. So there's a set of rules and a lot of men follow them. So if we flip that, what about we set the rules where you're a decent bloke, where you're respectful of others' beliefs and opinions, regardless whether they gel with yours, where we set a set of rules that are great and we go, now, you're a bloke. That's what's expected of you. So masculinity could be a great force for, for good. You know, we've got that need to provide for our children um, and be brave. But if it comes at the expense of, you know, you're going to end up mentally and physically worse off by following those rules. You, you've got to go, no, the rules from now on are the best for my family is to have a mentally well, physically well, happy, fulfilled dad. I will stick to those rules. I won't let work um, run me off my feet. I won't answer emails after six o'clock at night. I won't let it intrude on my family. Not, you know, so masculinity can be a great force for, for good, but it comes down to values and you are the only one that can set your values. And the best thing about values are the prism through which all things can be judged. They can teach you what to ignore and what to focus on. So without values, everything that comes in, oh, yeah, should I do it? Should I consider it? No, that doesn't align with my values. That's not who I am. That's not what I want for my children. I'm just going to ignore it. Oh, but they're going to tease you about it. I don't care. It's just, it is wrong. Absolutely. So if we allow masculinity or femininity to define who we are as human beings then allow it to define us only by our decisions by our actions by our thoughts that turn into behaviors that then can negatively or positively impact others so if we allow a thought 
to transform into a word and it has a positive impact, then that's healthy masculinity. And that's fine. But the minute we start saying, oh, you know, his behavior is toxic, then yes, it's the behavior that's toxic, not his masculinity. And that's how we should be with our children. They can do things that are not great, but that doesn't make them not great children. So we've separate, got to always exactly, exactly. Sorry, separate the child from the behavior. Separate the partner from the behavior. Exactly. And that's what we say. You know, there are some brilliant people that do some fairly silly things from time to time. That doesn't make them a silly person. It makes the decision, makes the act. It not the person. And you know, for too long, with it's it's intellectually lazy and um just too easy to use that big brush to tar everyone to go right i'm going to put you in that box that's what that ethnic is like that's what that religion is like that's what that group of people is like and then i don't have to think about it so rather than taking the time to understand other people and you know a lot of the times we attribute our values to their behaviors and it's like the boy helping the old scout, helping the old lady across the street, grabbing her by the arm and come on. And she didn't want to cross the street because she'd been imposed. You thought, because she was standing there waiting for a cab, you thought, right, now's my chance to make me feel good. And you've helped her across the street and she didn't want to do it. You've got to understand where people are coming from because a lot of times somebody's motives may be fantastic, but you know, it's my mum is one who just gives advice out of love, but <laughs> You know, it to me it comes across as mum, please, I'm a grown man with oh, but you know, you your daughter, she's a little girl, she mum, please, like, you know, and I love her to death. And I can see that because I give her the benefit of the doubt and I know that her heart is good, it's easy not to take offense. But I think nowadays we're so quick to jump to apply our judgment to their behavior. Oh, they've attacked me. They've wronged me. They, they don't understand me. But do you understand them? So, and, and it, we've just gone off track. And you know, men at the moment are just struggling. They're struggling as dads. They're struggling as boys. They, they've just lost that compass at the moment. That true north, where and they're constantly being told, you know. Men don't know how to behave. Do I ask a girl out or am I going to be seen as a predator? Do, you know, and because this is one of the things that amazes me. If we want our women to be strong and empowered and every right to speak up, speak up and, you know, but speak up in a way where it's respectful. So if, if a gentleman pays you a compliment, and a lot of the times older gentlemen do that, I'd still open and close doors. And I've been told off uh, for doing it, for opening a door for a woman, but I open the door for everyone, but it's not because I'm sexist or um, misogynistic or, you know, think that I'm superior. I've just always done it. And, but if somebody takes the time to go, you know what, I'm uncomfortable with you opening the door fine. I will apologize. Sorry, because no one means to offend everyone. But the fact that we've got a backlash against political correctness, 
which is basically somebody trying to say, you know what, I'm not comfortable with that. Oh, you can't say that. Well, you can, but now that you've said it, I respect it because I didn't want to offend you. My moral code isn't better than yours. It may vary, but if you're uncomfortable with me opening the door for you, that's fine. And I'm not offended that you told me. If you tell me in the right, take the time to explain it rather than just going, oh, he's a sexist pig. You know, it's just, I come from a different era where I do it and I don't do it out of any disrespect, but if it makes you uncomfortable, I'm more than happy not to do it. Absolutely. And, and so I'd love to invite our listeners to redefine these concepts of what does a gentleman really mean? And what does he look like? What does chivalry mean? And what does it look like? And do I want to adopt that in my, you know, toolkit or my code of, of conduct as a man? What does bravery look like? What does courage look like? What does integrity sound like and look like? What does honesty and transparency mean? And do I want to live that concept in my life? Do I want to infuse that in my life? What does respect and vulnerability mean? Is vulnerability a strength or a weakness? And it's absolutely a strength if you are wondering. So there's this quick uh, breakdown of what I use as brave. It's be respectful and vulnerable every day. And it's just a reminder for the boys that I work with to be respectful. It's a choice. Like opening the door uh, for a woman or a man or any human being is respectful. Whether it offends or not, that's different. That's a personal issue. Being vulnerable means being open and honest with yourself and transparent with others about how you're feeling. And I know that F word, ooh, feelings and, and men don't mesh necessarily but I promise you the minute you start owning well let's say decoding first what those emotions are claiming those emotions as your own and owning them through your words and actions you create those connections with everyone around you in a deeper more authentic way a really genuine way and when you do it every day it's a muscle that you build it's an emotional and mental muscle. So I'm inviting our listeners, and Michael, I know you're on board too, to invite them to redefine these concepts. And as we will be doing in our podcast as well. And be that brave person in your life to be respectful and vulnerable every day. And remember, until you belong to yourself, you belong to no one. So own who you are. And discover it because if you haven't discovered who you are take this journey with us and we'll guide you along the, the path don't forget to follow like and share um, our podcast and don't hesitate to comment below on the two questions that we've been posing how is masculinity a force for good for you in your life and what would you like us to address in future episodes look forward to talking to you guys again on our next episode until then Many men, many conversations. See you later, guys and girls. Take care.